Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what. No matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Well, here we are, season two of No Matter What. Y'all, thank you to those of you who are with me all season one, who rated and reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts. It really does help, and it truly means so much to me. I read every stinking review, and I just love it. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. Thanks for those of you who've been with me. If you are brand new, I'm so excited you're here. And today, I am thrilled to start season two with my dear friend, Melinda Doolittle. Well, Melinda Doolittle, hi. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. You you know I'm really excited to be talking to you, right? <laughs> I, well, it is very mutual. So uh I just I adore you. I eat your cookies at my house. <laughs> I watch you with your kids. I you know I love Tyler. Like just all the things. Well, I'm obsessed with you. And this is so funny because I was going to do like a whole professional intro on you. But then I decided for folks who may not know who Melinda Doolittle is, it would be way more fun to just let your story unfold. But a few things that I did learn in internet research (laughs) that I feel like we need to start with is that one, you're originally from St. Louis, Missouri. I am. Yeah. Right. Right outside, like in Ferguson, Missouri, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Two, you were tone deaf as a child. I was. What? Literally like auditioned for choirs and they were like, oh, honey, why don't you just move your mouth and don't let sound come out? No. It was pretty bad, but I just love music so much that I was willing to be in the choir and do all the motions and everything like that and just smile real big and move my mouth. I mean, I don't I don't even know where to put that in my brain. Like anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll get into that more. You moved to Nashville originally to attend Belmont University. I did. And you still reside in Nashville, in the Nashville area today with your sweet mommy, who I've never met, but I feel like I have. I feel like I've spent time with her. Um, Yes. Part through you and part because you just launched a podcast and she's your first guest. So we'll talk about that more too. And then, I mean, you mentioned this. We are friends. Tyler asked me the other day, now, did you know Melinda and were y'all friends before me? Or did y'all become friends because of me? And I had to I had to like think for a beat. I was like, no, no, it was because of you. But I don't even remember the first time we met. I just literally started saying that. And I was like, wait, I feel like I've known you guys both almost the same amount of time. But I guess it was because of Tyler. I think I met him at a Bible study at Cece's house. Yep, I think so, too. And then I, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Well, yeah. And then for some reason, you just decided that you liked me, which again, Tyler and I were talking about this just last night about how that is rare for me. Like, (laughs) like (laughs) that can't be true. Like most women, when they meet me, I think they're not sure what to do with me. And so anyway, it's always like the greatest delight for me when another woman who I'm like, oh, I want to be friends with you. You're amazing. Like immediately feels that way about me. I'm like, this is awesome. So anyway, (laughs) 
That's how I feel about you. I think it's you. your, like, literally, you are just a straightforward, like, just here's what you get. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Kind of human. Mm -hmm. And that is so me <laughs> that it is one of the most beautiful things to see in a woman. Because a lot of us try to kind of get around things and we try to be whatever people want us to be. Yeah. And that's, it's just, it's not how you work and it's not how I work. And so it makes me very happy <laughs> and I want it to be your friend so badly. <laughs> and then you're like, I know you're not, you're not going to go with this, but like, to me, you're like the perfect homemaker. And oh, that is gosh. the furthest thing from my skill that I've ever seen so coming over to your house and having dinner and seeing like everything spread so beautifully and I had the healthiest cookies I've ever had in my life and I just I was like I want to be like that I want to try and I just I basically stopped at the cookies so the rest of it hasn't quite happened but I I do make banana cookies often which is I mean if that's the one thing that I've imparted on your life I feel good like <laughs> so for... I still remember your salmon this is where we are right now <laughs> this is what COVID-19 has done to people they're just like dreaming about the home-cooked meals they've eaten at other friends houses um, exactly for everyone to know these healthy cookies two bananas a cup of oats handful of chocolate chips you can throw whatever else you want into it but that's like the basics and we used to make those all the time and apparently we made them for melinda and here we are here we are folks. you did and i i make them for my mommy now and they are fabulous oh and gosh. i feel healthy so i eat the whole batch <laughs> i mean it's basically like a muffin it's better than a muffin it's better than a muffin i feel like and i because i'm like it's just banana and oats yeah and just i just have a few chocolate chips yeah, in there nothing crazy so I'm like, this is so healthy. I'm basically eating fruit. And so I just keep going. <laughs> I'm basically losing weight while eating these cookies. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's where I want to start with you. And then we will eventually get into your no matter what that we have planned talking about. But where I want to start is tell us about 18-year-old Melinda. Who were you? What did you imagine was God's grand plan for your life? 18 years old. Gosh. Okay. So at 18, I had just graduated high school. I was getting ready to go into college. My first two years of college were at the University of Tulsa. Oh, did not And know. I transferred into Belmont, actually, my junior year. So I was going into college and going in as a music major because I had, I had been singing my entire high school career and kind of figured out like, okay, this is what I this is what I love. So is there a way to get a degree in it and use it? And at that point, there was just a classical degree where I would be teaching and, yep. and all of that. And there's one thing that you need to know about me. I'm not a great teacher, like <laughs> not even sort of like when people ask me, like, how do I sing? I'm like, oh, I don't, you open your mouth <laughs> and it should, it should come out. And at one point in my life, sure, it came out bad, but now it comes out different well, and yeah. I don't really okay, know so how that, I do it. But so, and how did that happen? How did you go from tone deaf to? I, okay. So I, <laughs> this story for real, it of course involves my mom, but I had been lip syncing in a choir for about three years. 
And I just hit a point where I was like, wait, I want to sing out loud. Like, I love this so much. Music brings me joy. I want to sing out loud. And I told my mom, who's a single parent raising me and, you know, didn't have money for voice lessons or anything like that. So I walk into her and I'm like, I want to sing out loud. And she's like, ooh, baby, you're going to have to pray hard. (laughs) And those were her exact words to me. And (laughs) so because her only option for me was to pray. Cause she's like, we don't have money for anything yeah. else. I would lock myself in my room after school every day Mm-mm. practice Mm-mm. because I had learned faith without works is dead. So oh, I would gosh. practice and then I would pray. So half my time was practicing. Half my time was praying. And this is like the way we need to be living life, right? Just right here. It should <laughs> practice be. half and the time and pray half the time. All right, everyone <laughs> carry on. No, it's so important. And I need, I have to keep reminding myself of this story. So I remember how God showed up Mm. for a girl who never, I never even thought he might say no. Mm. I just was like, oh, I want to sing out loud. So let me ask. Yes. And so my youth group at the time was having a talent show and I signed up for it and it was in a month. And uh, my youth pastor took me to the side and he was like, hey, Melinda, just so we're clear, you can't lip sync for this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know, but I've been praying yeah. and practicing and yeah. I believe God's going to do something. And he was like, okay, fine, you can do it. And I got up on that stage. I don't remember actually singing. I remember the music starting. I was singing to um, an accompaniment track. Uh, of nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes. And I remember the music starting and closing my eyes. And then I remember it being over and opening my eyes and people were standing up on their feet, clapping. And my mom was in the back crying and jumping up and down. And I was like, did he do it? Did he do it? Like, and literally my voice completely changed in that moment. Like it just changed. My ear opened up. I was able to hear harmonies. I immediately joined the worship team because I could sing harmony. Like God met me at the age of 12 because I was, I wasn't scared that he would say no. Like I just was like, okay, I'll ask for it. And he was the sweetest to give me this gift to just be like, you know what? You asked for it. Here you go. And I've been singing ever since, basically. (laughs) And I know in my heart, like I find so much joy in what I do because I know that without him, I'm still tone deaf girl, you know? I mean, that takes your story and who you are and what you do for a living to a completely different level. It does. It means something different to me. Every time I open up my mouth and something nice comes out. Do you know what I'm saying? Because and I still work at it. Like I now still take voice lessons and all of that kind of thing, because I think that it's important to steward the gift that God gives you, you know? Yes. So I, I still put in the work, but I am just in awe of his gift and his generosity to me and allowing me to do something that meant so much to me. So I'm very, very grateful. And I, I'm grateful every time I step on a stage, every time and audience member says that it touched them in some kind of way. Like it's, I am so, so grateful. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you transferred to Belmont because you were saying everything's classical and education-based and you didn't want to do that. Yeah. And Belmont had a major called commercial music and it was, you know, any music that's not classical. 
and they also had a music business major. Okay. And so I went in as a commercial music major with an emphasis in music business, because I thought, well, maybe I can get a job, you know, in the music business. Cause I didn't think that like singing would actually make a living. Right. So I was like, I can get a job in the music business and then sing for my hobby. And I got to Nashville and got hired in my first year to be a, a background singer on a recording. And I remember getting the check after the <laughs> session that day and thinking, wait, they pay you to do this. How did you like, even get that gig? So I was, <laughs> this is God all over again. He's just been so beautiful. I was in a rehearsal. I was singing background for the commercial music showcase at Belmont. Mm -hmm. And I was in a rehearsal for choreography, which if you do not know me, <laughs> I need you to know I cannot dance. Like there's, there's nothing in me that screams dancer at Maybe all. Maybe you need so, to go to your room and practice and pray about it. I, you know, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually probably should, but I remember being in that rehearsal and just struggling with like how to get these dance moves down, like this choreography down. And it wasn't even hard, but I just was like, I need to, I have to work really hard to get this choreography down. And so like, I'm struggling, but I'm smiling through the process because I'm like, the fact that they're allowing me to still do this, I'll give it all I've got. Mm. Well, little did I know there was a lady out in the audience. She was the mom of the drummer for the show. Okay. She was just sitting there waiting to pick her son up. And she was watching me and she saw my struggle, but she saw my smile in the midst of my struggle. Mm -hmm. And she said something in her heart said, go ask her to sing on your next session. Uh -uh. She's going to be the attitude that you need in that room. Uh -uh. And so she literally came up to me and said, do you sing background? And I was like, just here at Belmont. <laughs> and she's like, I'd like to hire you for a recording session. No. And my first recording session was a tribute to Rich Mullins. No. And it was with Nicole C. Mullen, Billy and Sarah Gaines. Like uh -uh. everybody was in the room uh -uh. singing background with me. Uh -uh. And that session, because I walked in and I, I loved what I was doing, but also because I showed up on time, I was kind to people. And I, she said that when I walked in, I brought in so much joy that she needed me there for every other session. So she started hiring me. The producer started hiring mm -hmm. me. Nicole started hiring mm -hmm. me. Like, and it was literally just because of bringing in joy. <laughs> I mean, like there was definitely the singing portion. But sure, you had to have was... some talent. No, you were incredibly <laughs> talented. And you, I mean, you, you became, I mean, I think in a pretty short amount of time, like a highly sought after background vocalist. I really did. Singing I for did, icons. I, I mean, I still don't know how this happened. Like I started singing for CeCe. Aretha I, Franklin. I, Aretha Franklin. Michael McDonald. Johnny yeah. Ray. I mean, <laughs> Aaron Neville. You've sung with Aaron Neville. Like, I know I can't, I don't even know why this is life. It sounds crazy when you're saying Because this me, is so. what the Lord, I mean, yeah. he gave you a gift that he intended for you to use. Okay. So you're making a living. You're like doing what you love. And, but yeah. then everything kind of gets to a whole nother level, right? In 2007, yeah. something huge happens. 
Yeah, so I'm singing background. I'm doing musicals because I love theater and I'm in a musical rehearsal with a friend of mine named Doug and Doug comes up to me and he's like, hey, I'm going to audition for American Idol. You need to go with me. Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh, absolutely not. Don't want to do it. I love being in the background. Like it's comfortable. It's a good place. I'm making a great living. I'm going to do that. And he was like, but if you come with me, you can see all of the funny auditioners in person. Oh, he knew. He knew how to he get you. He knew that I have a shady side. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so he he prayed on my shady side. <laughs> and I literally was like, let's get some friends and go see these auditioners. So <laughs> I... <laughs> I feel like God tricked me into auditioning for American Idol. Yeah. And he like tapped into my shady side. So I got a few friends, four of us drove to Memphis to go to the American Idol auditions. And I, I literally was like, we're just going to go. We're going to have a great time. I'm still going to prepare myself because I don't like to show up anywhere unprepared. Mm-hmm. But there's no way like you make it onto the show or anything like that. Right. We get to Memphis. There are 16,000 people auditioning. Oh, Lord. And I'm literally number 12,420. <laughs> like that was my number. And I'm watching all of these great singers get sent home and all of that. So I'm not thinking anything of it. Like, I'm just like, this is so great to be able to see the process. And it never dawned on me that they would take me and put me on the show. And some kind of way I made it on American Idol, even when my friends didn't. And my friends can sing. Mm. Mm. They can sing. So some kind of way, it was just, it was my time to do that. And I remember calling my mom after the first audition and being like, hey, that was scary. I made it through, but I don't want to go to any more auditions. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself and it was awesome. And I'm really grateful. And she was like, well, did you sign anything that said, you know, you were going to the next audition? And I was like, it was just one sheet of paper saying when the next audition was, but they expect people not to show up. And she's like, well, I raised you to be a woman of your word. So I guess you're going back. Yes, mommy. <laughs> and little did I know she had actually been praying that I would go on American Idol. No. And she kind of left it in God's hands because the first time she asked me about it, I was like, absolutely not. And so she was like, all right, I'll leave it in God's hands. But when I made it through a round and then came back and said, I'm not going to do that. She's like, oh, no, I got to speak up. Now this is in my hands. (laughs) Yeah. So because my mom made me, I went back and went all the way to third place. And I still to this day don't know how that happened I mean third place like you just weren't on American Idol you made it to third place (laughs) the bitter end literally the bitter end like I was on every week of that show you were I mean quoting you were Simon Cowell's very favorite who does Simon Cowell even like I mean you I don't know I'm seriously like I it still baffles me that this was a thing and that he was so generous and so kind, very blunt still, and get, would get very upset with me when I wouldn't live up to my potential. But uh, we all need someone but, like that in our life. Let's be honest. Yeah, but so kind. And I still like his words ring in the back of my mind and help me get through this career that I'm doing. So I am very grateful for him, but I, I cannot believe that like, I go on this show 
make it to third place. And it completely changes everything about life for me. Yeah. Cause you go from being a, a scheduled session and background vocalist to an artist, right? Yeah, very quickly. And here's the deal. I hadn't planned on being an artist. Yeah. So I didn't have any, I didn't have anything in the tank for that. Right. You know, like I was like, Oh, what's my voice as an artist? Mm. Like, what do I bring to the table? I just know how to blend with people. I know how to be wow. in the background. I don't know how to step out and be the person in front. And this is not what I thought my life was going to be. And so I remember coming home and calling the people I used to sing background for and saying, hey, I'd love to come back in the studio. I'd love to travel with you again. And everybody told me no. No. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't. And they were like, no, you're, you're famous. Like you can't do it. You can't sing background anymore. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not true. Like, I'm not I that just, famous. Just kidding. I'm, I'm a household name thanks to American <laughs> Idol. But like the artists that I used to sing for on the road, they were like, if I take you on the road with me as a background singer, yeah, nobody's going to think I'm the artist. And I was like, oh. So it literally forced me to figure out how to be an artist and figure out what my voice was and who wow. I was outside of you know, being that background singer and being the support system for so many people. And it, it was a culture shock for sure. And something that I wrestled with for years, for years, like I just now figured out like who, who I am and what I love to do, you know, wow. <laughs> it took me some years to really get comfortable in my own skin as an artist. And, um, I still, to this day, occasionally fight it. I'm, now that I'm in my 40s, I don't fight it as much. I'm just like, oh, well, it is what it is. Yes, right. Here I am. Here's what you get. You know, but <laughs> apparently this is what you had for me, Lord. All right. I'll just, yeah. I'll just finally sit in it. No more fighting. Yeah. But it really, like, I definitely had to just step out in faith. And I made a bunch of missteps at the beginning. And I learned so much about the Lord in that he is so gracious mm. to us in the midst of like, he allows us to make mistakes, yep. you know, and he loves us through them and still helps us succeed through them and helps us learn through them. Yep. And some kind of way he brings out the good in every single situation. Yes. And it's, it's something that has been a testament of my life from day one. And it's, it's been awesome to see him navigate this with me. You know, I yes. thought that I had to do everything right. <laughs> Which is, impo that's impossible. It's an impossible standard. It's so impossible. And I, there is room for mistakes and there's grace yeah. for it. Yeah. And he can still work in the midst of it. And I love seeing that. Yes. Okay. I have to like preach a little bit because I've been going through Esther this month. So yes. people who are listening, if you follow me on Instagram, I started this thing like I don't know, in October of last year where every month I'm like, okay, I'm reading this book, join me. And I finally got my act together this month and like created a little like 25 day reading guide for people to read Esther with me because the people just kept hounding me for structure. <laughs> just read it. That's just awesome. But anyway, so I gave the people the structure because <laughs> they wanted it. But something I learned for the first time, I mean, I've read Esther, I don't know, countless times sat through sermons on it, sat through retreats on it. I mean, yeah. hello, women's ministry. We hear about Esther and Ruth like all the time, right? Esther, okay, she has to go before the king and essentially ask him to protect the Jewish people because her 
arch enemy in the story has written a decree signed by the king saying like we can annihilate the Jews that live in our area. So she holds a banquet for her enemy and for the king and she's going to ask. And on night one of the banquet, the king says, whatever you want, Esther, I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. And she says, come to a banquet tomorrow night. Okay. Now, I always thought that that was just like some kind of strategy that I didn't really understand in the cultural context. Like, we're going to have two banquets and then I'm going to write a commentary that I read this time around said um, a lot of theologians think she just chickened out. It, there was no like cultural wow. strategy behind that. She just got nervous. And what's amazing about that is that then God uses the next 24 hours between banquet one and banquet two to set up a, the scene in a way that like blows what would have happened out of the water. And he wow. sets up for there to be justice for the enemy and incredible justice for the man who essentially raised Esther in elevating him. And None of that would have happened had Esther not, I mean, it all still would have resolved, I'm sure, in a wonderful way. But but like literally her, she chickened out and God said, don't worry, I'm going to make it even better. (laughs) Oh, but isn't that so good? Why did that just give me so many chills? (laughs) I think that's the most beautiful thing because that's who he is. Yes. Like it's truly who he is to just be like, hey you know what? Okay. You chickened out. Let's, let's work this through and make it even better the next time. I know. I love that. So good. Okay. I've never seen that. Sorry. I got really excited. Well, I mean, obviously I was excited about it too. I've been like preaching about it to everyone I meet. Hey, my name's Hannah. Can I tell you about Esther? I've been studying it recently. (laughs) Um, Okay. But back to you, I need you to tell a story about singing at the White House. Oh gosh. (laughs) Listen, Okay, how do I tell this in the best way? Okay, right after my season of Idol, when we were still in rehearsals for the tour, yeah, I got a call asking me to go to Africa with Laura Bush Mm-mm. and <laughs> on behalf of Malaria No More. Mm-mm. And it would take me out of like a week of rehearsals. And so it would change my rehearsal schedule. I'd have to rehearse extra and then you know, get back in and we'd start the tour. And I did it, of course, because who says no to that? Right. And so I went to Zambia and met uh, Laura Bush there. And literally she saw me singing with this children's choir in Africa. I got to sing Amazing Grace with the children's choir. And we were on this stage together and she was like, can you come to a special dinner I'm having? She was like, because I just... I love that and I just want to get to know you better. And so I went to this dinner that it was Laura Bush and then the head of Zambia's wife. So two first ladies Mm -hmm. and Jenna Bush and myself sitting at this table. (laughs) And we sat there and Laura Bush was like, the joy that you're bringing to this table means so much to me that I want to get to know you better. So let's meet again tomorrow. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And by the time I met up with her again, the next day, she was like, Hey, my husband would like to say hi to you on the phone. And I was like, like your husband, like the president. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, he wants to say hi. So he gets on the phone and he was like, I just hear that you bring so much joy. I just wanted to say hi. And that we loved you on American Idol. Like he was so kind. And I was like, Oh, 
thank you so much. And so about, oh gosh, maybe three or four months later, I get a call asking me to come to the White House to honor Laura Bush. Colin Powell is throwing an event for her and she has specifically asked for me to be there. And so I'm of course gonna say yes and also bring my mommy. Yes. And when we get there, I go to go to the dinner beforehand. There's like this dinner that the president is throwing beforehand in the state dining room. And he has come up with the seating chart and he sits me right next to him. <laughs> and so I'm sitting next to President Bush and we are having a conversation because he wants to know what Simon Cowell is really like. Oh my gosh. I'm just trying not to spill my soup. <laughs> We're hanging out, laughing, having the best time. He is one of the kindest humans I think I've ever met in life. Wow. Then I walk into the room to sing with the world children's choir uh-uh. at this point. Because uh-uh. <laughs> she's like, she sang with the children's choir. Let's give her the world children's <laughs> choir this time. <laughs> and so I get to sing with the world children's choir at the White House. And it goes down as one of the most amazing nights of my entire life. Oh, Oh my gosh. I just love that. And I don't think, I mean, okay, certainly if I was told to pick three adjectives for you, joy would a hundred percent be in that top three list, but it sounds like this is a word that really follows you around, which is so beautiful. I mean, again, I think it's like the Lord put this spirit of joy in you and over you and people can't not experience that when you are around them. That's so amazing. It honestly has been the one thread that has gone through every aspect of my life, I think, is just joy and encouragement, really. This is the most youth group thing I will ever say in life. But in my youth group, I still have a trophy in my office right now where I won the Barnabas Award. Oh, my gosh. Which was, yep, the Encourager Award. And <laughs> yes. I've, I've been like this since I was a little girl. I just, I love to bring joy to people. And it's my prayer before I step on every stage. My band knows it. Like we get together to pray and I'm like, Lord, help this audience experience joy like they never have before in their entire lives. And it's the consistent feedback we get. I just, I love to see people experience joy. I think that the joy of the Lord truly is our strength and it's what is going to get us through anything that we're going through. Mm. And it's so important to me that when people encounter me, they encounter joy. Yes. And I don't, I mean, I don't have it every day. Let's be, let's be real (laughs) on this. Uh, (laughs) Not every day is joyful, but it is, it is definitely something that's so important to me and something that I've had to kind of zone in on during this coronavirus craziness that we all go through, you know, is wait, I can still bring joy to people. Even if I'm not singing, even if I'm not doing that, like the, the end all is that people experience joy. Mm. So how, how do I do that? You know? So it has been a thread. Definitely. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about a couple things. One, each month in 2020, I'm choosing a book of the Bible to study, and I would love for you to join me. You can learn all about it on my Instagram, and you can even download a reading guide to help you. The guide is to give you a super simple, flexible, and really a practical guide in helping you get in a rhythm of reading your Bible and seeing how it can impact your life. 
2nd, I'm running a major sale on my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. It is the perfect high school graduation gift or just a sweet way to encourage a current college student you know and love. You can even ship the book directly to her with a note from you. Go to hannahseymour.com for more info and use the discount code no matter what, all one word, all lowercase, no matter what at checkout. Okay, that's such a great transition because, I mean, we could talk for probably another two hours easy just about your journey through the entertainment industry and all these amazing stories you have. But you really, I mean, you've spent over a decade now, you have made a life for yourself in the entertainment industry. And then COVID-19 happened. And for someone who makes a living off of touring, what has that meant for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, just immediately, all of my jobs went away. Yeah. You know, and I will be so honest and say I definitely panicked at the beginning. Uh, I mean, I was like, how could you not? Hi, uh, how do I function? How do I pay my bills? But the biggest part of it was like, who am I if I'm not out there singing? Yeah. You know, like that had become kind of my identity Yeah, and I had allowed it to become that. And I don't think I had noticed it mm. until it all went away. Mm. And then I was like in the bed, laying in the dark, <laughs> thinking, I don't know who I am. You know, Yeah, I really, really struggled with that right at the beginning of all of this. And God reminded me about about two weeks in that he created me to bring joy to people. Wow. And that there were so many ways that I could do that. And something shifted in me where I realized like, okay, I can find ways to continue to sing online. I can do some online concerts. I can Mm -hmm. do that. But that is not that is not who I am. Mm. It is what I do. Mm. Mm-hmm. And while I love my job, I love it so much. Who I am is a person who brings joy to a situation. Mm. And I can do that in so many different ways. It's why I started my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I can talk and bring joy. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. Like there are other ways to bring joy. Like I can, I can show up to places and just just encourage people. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm learning, I'm going to be honest with you and say, this is still a definite learning process for me uh-huh. um, because it's still attached to like, but do I show up and sing? Right. Like when you, when you asked me to be on your podcast, I made myself say yes. Thank you. Because <laughs> no, I wanted to do it on the inside, but there was a part of me that was like, do I have something to offer when I'm not singing? Yes. And I'm learning in this journey that I, I do have something to offer when I'm not singing. And while he definitely uses joy when I do sing, he can use it at any point. Mm-hmm. And this it's, it's been a really, really good realization for me. And just a, a bit of a culture shock, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's been so beautiful to find myself in the midst of all of this. And I think it'll inform how I sing in the future because it's a good reminder of what I'm created to do. I think so many people struggle with this, whether they realize it or not. I mean, our at least our American culture 
it's very easy to be defined by what we do for a living and how we yes. make money. I mean, it's the second question we ask people when we meet them, right? Like, oh, so what do you do? Yes. And I mean, what would you even say to a person? How would you encourage them if they're realizing like, yeah, I totally define myself. I mean, thinking about who God created you to be. Yeah. Most of the time we insert, I sing for a living. I write for a living. I work in higher education. Like that's who God created me to be. Well, no, it's actually not. That's a facet. That's an expression of who God created you to be. How did you, you said it in in two weeks, which like blew my mind. Like, oh, it only took two weeks for you to get there. No, it took two weeks for me to remember, (laughs) but not two weeks for me to like act on it. Let's be clear on that. (laughs) I I wanna be very clear on the fact that it it took two weeks for me to be reminded of that. However, it's it's still taking time for me to really walk into it Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and be grounded in it. So what would you even say to a person that's like, where do we even start actually figuring out who I am, who God made me to be, aside from what I do for a living? I think what would be beautiful is to look at different aspects of your life in the past, like what you've done in the past and what the common thread has been. Mm. And it could be you doing a lot of different things. The fact that I was an encourager in youth group, the fact that I brought joy into a studio, the fact that just me showing up in Africa, even without singing, just sitting at a dinner table with people, joy was what came out of that moment. Mm. Me realizing that joy was the common thread and the common denominator, basically. Mm -hmm. Like find what your common denominator is. That's so good. I think it's so important to just look back over many different things you've done, not any one thing and see what your common denominator is. And it may take you a minute and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That is okay. If you have to ask friends, what do I bring to the table? Like, why do you invite me places? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> why do you want me to come? <laughs> yes. You know, like even something like that, um, it really opens your eyes to what God has put in you and what residue you leave behind when you leave a room, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I love so I that. I think that's really important. I mean, I probably learned it in college, but the concept of like, what do you, pe- when you leave a room, what do people feel? What have yes. you left them with, the feelings you've left them with? And, and identifying what you think that is now, but then also I think it provides an opportunity is, is that what you want people to feel? You know, if you're, if you're, yes. <laughs> if people are relieved that you've left the room, you know, that's not yes. what you want. So how can you how can you shift that? Okay. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about starting the podcast, but what has this process been like? Okay, Lord, you created me to bring joy. Now, how do you practically live that out when we have to be six feet apart and you're not touring? And, you know, what has that process looked like? Well, I am quite the introvert. Um, Uh You know this because we've been to like birthday parties Uh together. And I just like to sit in a corner and not actually interact with people. So I, when quarantine started, I was like, oh, I've been training for this my whole life. (laughs) Like this is my norm. Like, and now I have a reason to not interact with people. This, you know, so I at first took it as that. And I would get frustrated with my friends that wanted to FaceTime and with people that wanted to do, you know, Zoom get togethers and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like, why, why, why are you trying to make me connect when I have a reason to not, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in the midst of this, 
when I realized that joy is what I bring to the table, something shifted in me and I started to show up for people individually. A lot of my friends who are extroverts are struggling, you know, through this and I get to show up for them and bring them some joy in the midst of all of this. So even if it's on a FaceTime, even if it's just me doing a quick Instagram live and just bringing some joy to a situation, like it has been one of the most beautiful things for me. And with the way God works, me doing things like an Instagram live or a FaceTime or a Zoom with a group of people have opened up doors that I never even imagined that have provided jobs for me. And I'm like, wait, wait, how is this happening? Wow. Me doing a FaceTime with a friend of mine opened up a door for him to be like, hey, I do some corporate meetings via Zoom. I think you might be able to bring just some joy to a corporate meeting. Can you jump on Uh -uh. our Zoom tomorrow Uh -uh. and sing a song? Uh -uh. And I was like, sure. And then they paid me for it. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) That's amazing. And it has opened up doors. And I think, I think sometimes, you know, I was just thinking, okay, at the base of all of this, all I know to do in this moment when my jobs are all gone and all of that, my income has been taken away is to bring joy is to go back to the basics of like, this is, this is what I can do. And God has met me in that place and has allowed me to bring joy in ways that actually provide for me and for my family. And I, I just love his beauty in the midst of that, in the midst of me finding who I am and then him showing up and saying who you are can still provide. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, the Lord's like, Hey, if you'll just say yes and show up to the things that I've created you to do, which don't have to be touring by the way, I'll still provide for you. I'll always provide for you actually. But like, but if you participate, it's a lot more fun. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's opened up a door for me to be able to start a podcast and for me to be able to kind of hone in my love for talking. Cause I do love to talk. Uh, and I didn't realize that there was like a whole audience of people who like to listen. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I knew li- that give people- me all the Melinda Doolittle that I can listen to. Like listen- I seriously, I listened to your first episode folding laundry, which I've now decided that COVID-19 quarantine life for me is just one endless load of laundry. Like I swear all I do is yeah. laundry. <laughs> But you don't understand because we're not going anywhere. So why do we have so much laundry? But I'm folding laundry. I mean, I laughed. I cried. I mean, I cr- I had tears running down my face at different points oh. of your conversation with your mom. And I mean, it just was so I, – I just loved it. it. It encouraged me. It inspired me. I told you. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this with my kids. I'm not going to tell people what. Well, I don't know. We can. But um, <laughs> I, want, I want everyone to go listen to it. Okay, backtracking a little bit because I think this is – also interesting. So, I mean, when I first started dreaming up my podcast, I came up with uh, like a huge list of people, people that are my very best friends that no one's ever heard of to people that like, I don't even know that I want to know someday. You know, I mean, it just came with this massive list, like all the people I'd want on this podcast. Yes. And of course you were on it. And Tyler and I talked about, you know, because we're going through, I'm like, some people have no matter what's that they want to talk about that. Like, I have no idea what's funny is how like I've gone through and thought oh this is probably what they'll want to talk about and then for friends to come back and go well 
I mean, I can talk about that, but I want to talk about this. Well, great. We'll talk about whatever you want. But for you, Tyler and I were like, you know, like, I think one of Melinda's no matter what's is God's called you to this very public ministry. I'll call it since we're in the Christian realm, but like a, a very public vocation. And you are center stage bringing joy to people. I mean, putting on a incredible show for people to experience when in reality you would rather be in a onesie in your house staring yes. at your lit Christmas tree in the middle of yes. July um, yes. <laughs> and like not speaking to a soul. Exactly. And yes. so, I mean, I think that's um, like God has called you to something that he didn't necessarily give you all the things for. Like you are not driven and fueled by the things an extrovert is driven and fueled by. And so, I mean, I think that's yeah. fascinating. Because I do love to sing and I had figured out a living in singing as being a background vocalist. It was like the best of all worlds mm. for me. Like I could still be an introvert, you know, and still like nobody, you see the background vocalists, you hear them, but you're not like focused on them, yeah. you know? And so it was like the best of all worlds for me. Like I got to do music, but I got to kind of be to myself and being an artist, even not being an artist, just going on a show like American Idol <laughs> took every bit of that away. Yeah. And I questioned what God was doing. Sure. Because I was like, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> Remember who you created? Remember who I am? <laughs> Are you sure you want me to be the person who is talking to all of these people, you know, who, who is sharing with all of these people or, or do you want me to just go back to background because that's the comfortable place. And I think that what it's shown me over the years is that what he put in me, as much as I'm an introvert, he put something in me to pour out mm -hmm. and I can still pour out in the midst of my introvertness. He gives me grace for what I need, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like, my band laughs at me because like, I am the kind of person who knows I need to recharge by myself. Yeah. So um, I get all my energy vamped up. I'm ready for sound check. I'm ready for the show and I'm ready for the meet and greet. But I tell myself like at 11 PM, you get to go be by yourself. Yep. So let's say that my meet and greet goes to 11.05. That 11 o'clock to 11.05 time, is a struggle. It's the hardest like, five minutes every day. I'm like, Lord, you gave me grace till 11. What's <laughs> happening? You know? And I, I really have worked through that with him. He, I, I feel like he has a sense of humor, which is awesome. And normally like the last person in my line is my favorite one, you know, and they can deal with the fact that I, I've hit a wall and they love that they get to know that side of me also. Yeah. And God replenishes me on my downtime and I go right back out and do it. And I, I think he's shown me that even in my introvertness, I can still bring something to the table. Mm. And I love that. Mm. I didn't, I didn't think that I could do something so public and he's allowed that. Mm. It's beautiful. Okay. So back to this season of life right now. Okay. One, where are you finding encouragement? And two, specifically, are there any verses or passages in scripture that you really clung to during this time? Yes. And yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I think that I'm finding encouragement in the humanity of all of this, in the fact that this entire world, like we're going through the same thing together. together. Yeah. And I, in a world that can be so divisive, 
so often I see the humanity and the fact that we are all doing this together and we're all figuring it out together and that we're figuring out what is the right way to deal with all of this together. And, and because we haven't found the complete right way, we all get to make mistakes together. Yeah. And for some reason that brings me encouragement. Like I'm not the only one out there trying to figure this out. Right. We all are. Yeah. And it makes me feel stronger in the fact that we're, we're doing this together. We're going through this process together. So if I make a mistake, other people are too, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're learning this. And I, I see the beauty in humanity right now of all of us trying to figure out how to do this and what new normal is and all of that. And I, I think there's something really beautiful in us doing it together. And I think the thing that I've had to remind myself of is to continue to dream in the midst of this. Mm. I've always been a big dreamer and my, my life verse has been Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And the Amplified Version is my favorite. I will read it to you. It is now to him who is able to carry out his purposes and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I have my hands and like extended as far as they can be right yes, now in the studio. That, I think that verse, what it reminds me of, because in the midst of like the unknown, like when we don't know what the future actually looks like, it's hard to remind ourselves to dream and to ask for things and to, you know, to look towards the future. And Every day I've been reading that verse and reminding myself that what God is able to do when it says he can do super abundantly more than what you dare ask or think more than your prayers, hopes, and dreams. We have to actually have prayers, hopes, and dreams for him to do more than that. That's good. And so I'm like, oh, let me think of just my prayer for this moment then. Let me think of my dream for this moment. What do I dream that I can learn today? What do I dream? Like my dream for today is that um, I cook a good meal for dinner tonight because that's, you know, it's sketchy over here at this house <laughs> on whether or not. I've the, seen you on the, Twitter. You're, you're getting your Instant Pot game on. I am trying to get my Instant Pot game on, but I post the wins, <laughs> not, not the losses. And so <laughs> my dream for today is like, Lord, help me be creative with this meal. And when I ask those questions, he gives me like the instant pot recipe of my dreams. Like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, and I know that sounds very corny, but like, you're going literally, you're we had the best chicken and mushrooms I've ever had in my life. Oh, don't worry. I saved it. I was like, the oh, other well, day. And I was week. like, <laughs> I was like, look at him doing more than I even asked more than I dreamed in that moment, you know? And I, I think we think like, oh, I have to dream something so huge and something so big mm. and something so far in the future. And he's like, what do you want now? What do you want today? Wow. What do you want today? How can you focus on that? And it has encouraged me to live in the moment and to continue to see him meeting everyday needs. Wow. And the more that I watch him meet everyday needs, the less I'm concerned about the future. Wow. Cause I know he, he shows up. And so it's, it's, it's been a beautiful thing to learn. Oh, 
I, I mean, that's going to stick with me, Melinda. That oh. and as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, you're, there she goes again, just practicing and praying at the same time. Like, I, I mean, literally, <laughs> like that I think is going to stick with me forever. Hey, Hannah, yes. have you been practicing and praying? Because pretty sure that's what you have to do. Yeah. And I, we get in this, you know, kind of cycle of doing works, works, works. And I mm. sometimes forget the prayer part. Mm. And uh, I have to remind myself, oh, can you bring God in on this? And it's not that he's not always there because he never leaves or forsakes us, but inviting him into the situation, the specific one that you're in is it opens the door for him to do so much more, I believe, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remind myself to, in the midst of trying to do all these works and trying to be like, oh, do I, how do I make money? What do I need to do mm-hmm. to remind, to remind myself to pray? Yes. And invite him into each each time, each decision. That has probably been one of my greatest takeaways of this season of quarantine is becoming aware. I mean, you said it. He never leaves us. He's always there. We're just not aware. And becoming aware of his presence, particularly in the really hard, mundane things of being a mom of two tiny people. I do not Um, know how you do that. But I mean, truly, like like I can laugh about it right now, but sometimes I'm like crying about it. Like the amount of times I have like cleaned up pee from the floor because I decided to potty train my two-year-old <laughs> during this season, or I'm wiping up a food that has gone everywhere except for in my baby's mouth, you know, off of the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, but truly it's like in the moments where I'm on my hands and knees scrubbing something off the floor that I wish wasn't there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I have been learning the Lord is there. And he's with me. And those there's one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is like, there's no, there's no such thing as an unholy, unsacred moment. We just don't rec we're just not recognizing them as holy and sacred. But oh my gosh, in that moment, when I'm on my hands and knees, again, wiping off whatever thing I wish was not there, he's with me and he sees me and he has grace for me that I need. And he is, if I will just be aware, he will pour into me all that I need and more to continue cleaning and to get up and move on with my life. And he's pleased. He's pleased with me if I have the right attitude (laughs) when I'm on my hands and knees (laughs) caring for my children. Because that, that's, I think, been the hardest part is like, I mean, going back to your big dreams versus small dreams. Like, I mean, I got big dreams and they ain't ain't happening during quarantine 2020. (laughs) Um, And, and, but what God has called me to do today is to do the seventh load of laundry and to cook meals for my three, you know, my man, my one man and my two boys that are in my house and to clean all the things. I mean, that's my job right now. Yeah. And I don't love it all the time. But if I, if I recognize it as this is my calling today and be joyful Mm -hmm. in it, because I can be, because it's a choice. He is so pleased. He is. And I would, I would love to add to that, that he can also handle our tears. Yes. And handle our frustrations. And I love that about him. I literally in my, in my room, I have this jar. It's like a tear jar that they had in Israel. Mm where they, where yep. the women would catch their tears yep. and present it to their husband. Like if their, if their husband was off at war, 
then any day that they cried, any day that they lamented for him, they would catch their tears. And when their husband came home, they could be like, look, this is what I, yep. this is what I cried for you. This is when I prayed for you. I have this for you. And I love that with Jesus, when, when the woman washed his feet with her tears, mm. he could handle the weight of her pain being poured on him. Mm. And I just thought that that was something so, so beautiful to remind myself of and to remind myself that in some of these mundane moments, like when I really mess up the food or when I am trying to get something right and I don't, and I want to cry, he can handle it. Yeah, he can. he can handle the weight of all of it. And then I pick myself up again, or he picks me up yeah. and yeah. we tackle it again the next day, yes. you know, yep. and maybe the next day I have more joy with it. And that's beautiful. Yep. But I, I love that he can handle all of it. That's good. That's it's Psalm 56. It's a Psalm that David penned and it's verse eight, Psalm 56, eight, you talking to God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You oh. have recorded each one in your book. Yes. I mean, how precious is that? The oh, creator of it. the universe, the king of everything has collected every tear. Oh, recorded every tear. He knows every hurt that we experience yeah. on this side of heaven. And he can handle it. And he can. He doesn't look at us like we're crazy. Uh-uh. He knows it about us and he loves us through it. And I, I love that about him. And he replaces it with joy. (laughs) That's the cool part. You give him tears and he's like, here you go. That's right. (laughs) Turn my morning into dancing. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. I want you to tell people about your podcast and about your book. (gasps) Okay. Well, I started my podcast, Three Nice Things, based on a chapter out of my book. Um, I have a book called Beyond Me, Finding Your Way to Life's Next Level. And that book is basically, I call them mommyisms. Each chapter is something that my mommy taught me that has helped me live life to the fullest and become the woman that I am today. And there are a bunch of different lessons in the book. And one of them is three nice things. And it was about me wanting to just, you know, every day I came home from school, I wanted to tell my mom about my day. And when something bad had happened, she asked me to come up with three good things about the situation first before I said the bad or three good things about the person before I said what they did bad to me. And so like, if somebody tripped me at school, I would be like, she had on a cute shirt. (laughs) I really liked her hair and she's normally really nice to me, but today she tripped me, you know? And (laughs) I, if I couldn't come up with the three nice things and I couldn't say the bad, and it, it shifted my perspective basically in life. It made me, when, when things happened to me that were bad, it made me look for the good mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I want to tell my mom about this, but I can only tell her if I come up with the good stuff. And so it made me start looking for the good. And it has been what I've done my entire life ever since. <laughs> like anytime something bad happens, you immediately see me looking for the good in it I mean- because- it's just become just a habit for me. And I love that so much. And so I wanted to do a podcast where we could talk about anything and we could talk about the hard things in life or, or the not so hard things in life, but each time we search for the good first, Mm. you know, and, um, 
just to kind of have a perspective shift for all of us. So I started this podcast and I'm still learning how to podcast. Is that, is that how you say it? Even <laughs> um, I'm learning how to pod and uh, <laughs> it's a journey most definitely. Um, but I would love for people to learn along with me and to go on this ride of changing our perspectives and looking for the good in things and still being realistic, still being able to talk about the bad, but yeah but really, really searching for the good. I mean, I, I truly, I loved it so much. And I told Tyler immediately when he got home, like, I got to tell you about this three nice things that Melinda's mom made her do and whatever. <laughs> and okay. I think I do. I think I know, but just to double check a point of clarity, because as I was telling Tyler, he went, he, he went, Oh, you have to say three nice things about the person that wronged you or just three nice things about your day. And then you can talk about the thing that was wrong, but it sounds no. like it's the situ it's the exact situation so if it's a person that wronged you then it's three nice things about that that human if it is the day that was just horrible then find three nice things about your day okay do you know what i'm saying but like it's very specific to the situation to what bad you want to say you know what a perspective shift yeah it's it's a definite shift but it has been Oh gosh, I'm so glad she did it. Like, I'm so glad that my brain automatically looks for good. (laughs) As soon as something bad happens, I'm like, wait, what's good about it? Let me find something good. (laughs) I mean, and I do have to be honest, I did not always come up with three nice things. Oh, sure. And in that, in those cases, I didn't get to dwell on the bad either, you know? (laughs) So I'm not going to listen to your, yeah. So I would be like, oh, I don't get to say the bad. And so I might search for days Wow, for the good. Wow. And it, wow. um, but it, it made me look for good, you know, okay. I'm so appreciative of that. Y'all have to go listen to it. Cause some of the stories that they share, I mean, it'll just get you. Ooh, it'll, I can't. Okay. It'll just get you. Y'all gotta go listen. <laughs> Three nice things with Melinda Doolittle and to close us out, I want to read Ephesians 3, 20, 21 one more time. This is in the NLT. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, one last thing before you go. You know I always make sure our guests talk about some passage of scripture they really clung to during their no matter what season. And I have put all of the season one verses together in a cute, free, printable PDF that I would love to give you. Print it out and put it somewhere you will see it every day. I know it will encourage you and help you continue to renew your mind with God's truth instead of letting your circumstances dictate your theology. You can go to hannahseymour.com slash shop or find the direct link in the show notes wherever you listen. And speaking of where you listen, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you take two seconds to rate and review the show? It would mean so much to me. And you know, it helps other people find it. And hopefully they'll listen and be encouraged to be who God created them to be no matter what.